So I don't know, maybe it would be cool just to share just a little bit about how you got into music yourself, you know, sure. like what your background is. Well, kind of what you guys are doing this week in, in remaining open, you know, uh, open minds, open hearts, which I think is very important in our relationship with God and our spiritual lives To I, I grew up in a household, I grew up in a small town in Texas. I live in Nashville, Tennessee now, but um, Texas was way different and uh, the little place I grew up in. And there was a lot of um, kind of descriptions of God. You know, we were kind of told who God was in our church settings and things like that. But then we'd get, I, my brothers and I, we'd get home from church every week and we'd sit around, you know, the table, eat, eat lunch with my parents. And my dad would always say, well, what do you think? He might say, like, what did you learn in your community group or what did you learn from the sermon or whatever? And we might regurgitate something, you know, just whatever was said. And he would always follow up with the question, well, what do you think about that? And I thought that was pretty cool, even from like four, five, six years old on, on into your ages, developed in me uh, what I considered to be an ongoing conversation with God and one that allows us to discover him rather than him just be dictated to us, you know. Uh, there's a lot of people who might want to tell us exactly who God is, um, but I think he's here to have a relationship with us just like your friend or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your parents or whatever um, in the sense of we're st still discovering things about each other every day, you know. Like I could never, I could know you for 20 years and still not be down to the bottom of who you are and vice versa. So think about an infinite God. I don't know that I'll ever get to the bottom of who he is. And I hope I don't. I think that's really beautiful. I think music is one of the main conversation starters for us personally. Um, creative. I, I think God's a creator. He created all this. He created us. He's, I think our, one of our main lines of connection back to God is creativity. And that can take a lot of different shapes and forms and whatever it is that you're interested in or even the way that you do schoolwork. I know that sounds lame, but even the way that math works, you know, there's just a lot of God in it, I think. And so music for me was a big conversation. And I hear a lot of you guys are very creative, musical, artistic type of people. How many of you guys like music? Yeah. Yeah, and even, even liking it's a part of it, right. right and so, right. so probably then in a group this size that has that many people who love music or are involved in music, there's probably a lot of what I call feelers, you know. You have a lot of feelings about things. And that's cool when you channel it into the right place. Your parents probably don't think it's real cool. <laughs> do, you have do, a, do you see music do that for you a little bit? I mean, is that... Do your, give me a channel? Yeah, like do your emotions kind of come out that way sometimes? Sure. I, my counselor always tells me this. He says, uh, your feelings are real, but they're not always true. They're not always telling me true things. Music gives me an opportunity to kind of work that out on paper, you know, like to write songs. My, my primary role in, in Nashville is songwriting uh, for other artists, other Christian artists, things like that. So um, I'm trying to channel my experience with God and with others into, you know, a four-minute thing that might then allow you, if you heard it, you know, or whoever's singing it or performing it, to then also work out kind of on paper the things we don't always understand. So maybe some of the, you guys out there, you process all up here, right? And so what you're saying is that you take what's going on up here or up or down here and say, okay, 
let me flesh that out a little bit and that process is healthy and decent and helpful yeah and i think in music you flesh it out but there's also still room for the question i think music is beautiful that way because we don't try to solve everything in a song uh, we present what our experiences are and i think when we do that together i think one reason that Music is so important in the context of the church. So when you guys right here meeting together, I think music is so important to participate in music together because it allows us to come asking the questions together. And in that, there's some comfort, there's some peace, uh, there's some it's okay that you don't know what you're going through and you don't have the answer to it, but that God is near. I mean, in, in my experience with God, I haven't, he, I don't feel like he's necessarily solved a lot of things for me. He's just remained really close. And that's been more than solutions. Because I think life maybe or something has provided a solution for certain things and that's, that doesn't necessarily provide peace. Uh, it just provides me with the opportunity to have another problem to find a solution to, you know, like... I don't know if that makes sense to you, but. So what was, what were you like as a kid? Like, were you musical when you were a kid? Like, what was the first intro? Yeah, I was a total metalhead. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I wasn't at all. I loved, I did love music, but um, I loved soccer and tennis were sports that I really loved being a part of and participating in. Uh, I was a big reader. I couldn't really decide what I was really interested in. I loved it all. So while music definitely was my first like line of connection with God, yeah, I loved music. And I guess I did love it more than anything because I ended up going to college for it. Um, I, it's where I knew my natural like, kind of giftings were and, and stuff. But I liked everything. And, and so I had a dad who was a therapist, a mom who was an organist, and then ended up with brothers. One's a pastor, one's an architect. Uh, my middle brother was a huge college athlete. And so it was, it was kind of all, you know, we weren't one type necessarily. Was there someone in your life, like in that time frame that, or even other time frames, where they, would in, they encouraged you to pursue what you were kind of thinking? And you know, even though you liked everything, did anybody just kind of, even, even though they didn't maybe decide for you, you know, they, they yeah. just encouraged you to follow a path and what did that look like for you and how did that make you feel or how did that give you confidence or? Yeah, I, th I think uh, one of the first places I got to share music as it was going on in my life and what I was creating with others was in the church setting. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. There's a lot of a grace for it. I'm sure some of you have helped lead or shared, you know, something musically with your church here and uh, it can be real intimidating. It was intimidating for me. I was not real natural on stage and in front of people. So uh, actually a congregation, my congregation gave me the opportunity to kind of figure that out and that was okay. You know, like it, it really, you know, sucked sometimes, you know, and it was okay, you know. You kind of found your wings a little bit found my wings and i think just learned I, I i think sometimes with the how much music is geared towards modern worship in the church now and corporate worship and stuff like i i kind of miss a little bit 
when I was growing up, there was always a special music, you know? Like someone played their ukulele and sang or whatever, you know, and presented a number. And I thought that was a really cool way for them to share something really vulnerable, you know, for them. And this is a safe place, this is a sanctuary where you can do that. And, and then a lot of those people began to fly to share that with so many other people. But I would say, I don't know what your parents are like, Okay, and my parents will be different than yours and yours different than someone else's and and right now they kind of have the you know, they're the head of the household while you're in it. Uh but mine were had always encouraged me that whatever it is you want to do with life, you can find a way to make it work on the back end. So it doesn't have to look like a traditional corporate job just because that's where a check comes every other week. You can figure it out. They were like, you have a brain, so figure out how to make what you need to live, you know, from whatever it is that you love to do. Now, we live in a world like that more than ever where, you know, a lot of probably even your parents and maybe older brothers, sisters, whatever, are freelancers or kind of entrepreneurs. Um, I think that's a really cool thing. But I hear it from me, if you don't hear it from your parent or an older sibling or something, um, you have within you the abilities, and I think that's God-given, to be able to structure your life to do what you're really passionate about doing and still provide for you and your family. I think the way that I hear you saying that is we might see a pattern or a pathway that's presented to us by culture that says you go to high school, you go to college, you get a job, you work at a desk for 40 years, you retire to Florida, and you drive a golf cart around, and then you die. But it doesn't have to look that way. Right? And in Mantino, they are driving golf carts oh, around. They're, they're not even wasting time, man. No, they're on it. So this doesn't seem too bad. But um, yeah, I think... I think you guys don't even think about this in a good way. I don't know. Do y'all sit around thinking about the goal of my life is to retire? Yes. Okay. So some do, but the rest of you, I don't know. I, I think, I think you probably think about it less as the natural path than maybe your parents or your grandparents. Um, so yeah, I think here's the thing we're alive and we have to, I think something within us tells us we're alive for a reason. So I think there's more reasons than golfing and going to Florida. I do. I, I hope there is. I think your week this week is part of showing that. Yeah. Okay, so I have a, I have a off the wall question. Are you guys surprised? No. no. Have you ever played a song and s sung the song, played and sung it, sang it, sung it perfectly? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. I, I don't actually know what that means. I, um, like, do you think you're going to screw up tonight at all? Sure. Are actually, gonna... you know, for the past week, which this is super odd for me, usually my voice is not a trouble spot for me. It is for a lot of my friends who travel a lot. But the past week has been really wonky. So, yeah, tonight I may not be able to execute like I usually do, you know, in performance. So I'll know that. You may hear it occasionally. You may not. I don't know. But uh, performance in my realm, and I think in creative realms, is not about perfection. It's about expression. It's, it really is about performance. It's about can we connect, you know, through music. And I think... 
you know, in my era, there were all these people who loved Celine Dion, you know, she was this great vocalist or whatever, and I hated it because <laughs> she didn't express anything to me, you know, like, she was perfect, but she expressed nothing. Now, maybe that's because she speaks French and I speak English, I don't know, but, um, do, but you know what I mean? There should be some flaws about it. I heard someone tell me one time, like, in, in art world, so if you're buying, if you're like really dropping some cash on art, good art, you know, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars potentially. The, well, what is more valuable? Now, they'll make copies of that, right? Um, what do you call that when you make copies of it? Like a, a print, yeah. Prints. They'll make prints, and those may still be numbered and fairly pricey, but nothing compared to the price of the original, right? On the prints, all the flaws are taken out. The original still has the artist's flaws on it. What I think is interesting, and yet it's, you know, enormously more valuable. In my mind, that is true for our art, that it's more valuable when your hands are actually on it, when your, you know, physicality and your abilities are in it. And I would say God as a creator, um, did he create us flawed? You know, that's a question way above my pay grade. But is he able to... Uh, can we be of utmost value even with our flaws, both to the creator and to others? I would say overwhelmingly, yes. That's awesome. So, 1 Timothy 4.12, these guys have been blasted with it this week. Um, and it says, what? Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but be an example for the believers. See if you can get all five. I think they see they, they've, they've been feeling it. They've been feeling it. They've been feeling it in the worst way possible. But so you got a lot of, this is, whenever I look out to these guys, I just see potential and I see like amazing things, both in the future and where they're, you know, where they're gonna go. I mean, Austin was speaking earlier and he had said like, I can't wait to see where God takes you, but also don't forget that this is something that, you know, your life is something now too. So I mean, what would you speak over these guys or tell these guys, you know, maybe we got, a, we got everybody from a seventh grader to a graduated senior, you know, where, where I don't know, what would you say to them in terms of just the potential that, that that's there right now? Like, Yeah, I think potential, we often throw around that word as if we're going to reach our potential one day. Well, I don't think we ever fully reach it, uh, at least on this side of life. So you're already living it in my mind. Um, I have been so deeply impacted by some people your ages, you know? I have been taught things about God. My eyes have been opened to things uh, from a spiritual realm, a, a much deeper place than we can even describe, just by having relationships with people who are 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you know, who are a good 15 to 20 years younger than me. So what that says to me then is then on the other side of it, 15 to 20 years older than me, people who are 50 years old, they may have something to learn from me as well, as well as me from them. Um, that's not directly answering your question, but I guess, I don't know, you seem like a pretty with it group, so I don't, I don't know that you need this encouragement, but um, I just think we have been, from the moment we took our first breath, we have been infused with value 
from God. And I think that there is no uh, description that can fully capture who you are, who I am. And uh, it's, it's beyond comprehension, uh, the power that is within us, the ability that's within us, because God lives within us and through us. And I had a cousin of mine one time, I was kind of down on myself about something, I don't know, you know, I'm a creative feeler type, so I tend to feel things that are real but not necessarily true. And she said, don't, uh, don't diminish that what you do is a big, big deal because God lives within you and he is a big deal. And uh, that kind of reminded me that, you know, it's not the work of my hands, but it is the work of God through my hands and through your hands. So in my mind, you're already living your potential, at least up until this point, and you'll continue to grow into that. I would just encourage you, as I try to encourage myself every day and others encourage me, to just live with open hands, open hearts, you know, willing to receive uh, what it is that God wants to do through us, but no reason to be bashful, shy, paralyzed, anxious about it. Uh, life is for the living, and we're alive. I love it. You guys think this is all right? You guys appreciate him taking some time and talking to you? So... Andrew and I were together uh, earlier, and we decided that we, I was going to do a duet with him. Yeah! And then, and then we prayed about it, and the Lord said, no way. No way. Just kidding. Just kidding. Actually, Andrew said no way. <laughs> exactly. So tell me about that last song a little bit. Yeah, you know, uh, growing up, I grew up in a lot of you guys, we've already talked about this. I grew up in Texas, pretty rural setting in Texas in a, a little Baptist church. And um, a lot of times God was defined to us and we weren't necessarily encouraged to discover who he might be. And so if I had sung a chorus like that, you know, it, that, that story is a story of a, a true orphan. And then, but at the end, it's the realization that spiritually we're all, in reality, we're all orphans and, uh, until we meet God. And God is not only our father, but our mother, our sister, our brother, our lover. I think what it's saying the song, the message is that he's our everything. Uh, he literally is short, not short of everything that we need. And so that was the beginning of that chorus for me was just kind of a wide open wonder uh, at this beautiful creator that is, um, I feel like, seeking us out on every plane. And music. Uh, has been that since the beginning for me, has been a way for me to discover God. I mean, really, I think that's how, what God used to, I guess, to draw me in, you know, to, to start a conversation, a dialogue. So music has always been my conversation. When, when in life, when it, it felt like I was up against a wall spiritually or I just didn't know the words to say, I didn't know what to pray, I didn't want to listen to teaching at that point in my life, I was feeling closed off spiritually, music remained um, an open line to God. And I think that that's so awesome because of the way that the students have been kind of focusing in on a little bit of the God-wired piece of, you know, how God has, has really wired them and what connects them with God. Um, 
And, and we've been really talking about that as a church as well, and just understanding that God is really has a unique relationship with each one of us, just like I have four children, I have a unique relationship with each one of them. And so growing up, I mean, how did, did you just pick up, did you, were you born in, with a ukulele in your, in your no, hands or what? I definitely wasn't born with a ukulele in my hands. I don't think my mom would have enjoyed that, but she was, a, she was a classical organist, a very proficient, very fine professional organist. But um, uh, music was in our household, but really just through listening. My mother grew up in New Orleans and my dad in Northern Louisiana. So we listened to a lot of Motown. Do you guys know what Motown is? Yeah, like the staple singers and, uh, Roberta Flack and just some really cool music uh, was filling the corridors of our household. But I grew up with two older brothers, very different. My, uh, we all loved music and appreciated music, but I was the only one who really put it into my hands, you know, actively. So my oldest brother was kind of a drummer on the side, but he, he's an architect and knew that ever since he was 10 years old that he wanted to be an architect and is creative in that way to see what is fashioned by his intellect and his hands is, is really a, a cool thing. And my middle brother was more the athlete growing up. He was the real kind of star athlete, star soccer player in high school and in college and turned out to be a pastor, a Presbyterian minister out in Orange County, California, which I don't think any one of us would have guessed he would be uh, in some ways the spiritual leader of our family. And so that's really unique. And then, yeah, music has been the way that I have been able to get my hands on my faith. And I think ever since I was a, a child, I could, music was just reverberating through my spirit. And um, I never felt alone, you know, because in some ways for music, even if I felt disconnected from my parents or a relationship or whatever, um, I, we talked about this some earlier, but I just didn't ever, I felt like God I feel like he's always been near and some because of music. Yeah, it's interesting because I think about like I don't I don't I'm not musical at all. I love music. Um, a lot of us we listen to music that other people make to help us process our emotions, our feelings, our life circumstances. But here you are a songwriter. And so in a sense, I mean talk about that because there's a difference between me listening to someone else's song and relating to it versus me producing a song, which would be horrible, but, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. but uh, for sure, <laughs> but, you know, versus, you know, the way that, you know, you're, you're processing or you're, or you're ex expressing, I think the word you use really, like, uh, uh, just whatever it is that you're going, so just talk about that a little yeah, bit. I, I would think in, among you guys, a lot of creatives in these seats, there's probably some songwriters, I would guess, we, we didn't, I didn't grow up in a generation where that was as much encouraged at this age, it was more when we got in college. So um, you could also tell me the answer to that, but I think um, for you guys back there who weren't here earlier, songwriting really is my main thing in Nashville where I'm in Tennessee and write for other Christian artists and some bluegrass and country artists. And I think, so I'm always trying to figure out how to channel our experiences, experiences I observe in the lives of others and also the experiences I'm having in my life um, into like a three and a half minute, you know, kind of pop ditty, you know, it sounds a bit diminishing, but it makes you work to actually think about what's important about that experience and what's important about relating to other people in that experience. And I think that's a communion thing, if you think about it. Like, the reason we come together is to connect on, the, on common ground. So a song is trying to find that common ground. The details of my experiences may be very different from the details of your experiences, but what we do understand is we understand heartache. We understand sorrow, we understand joy, we understand these things, um, and we understand our confusions. I think 
Confusion and question is like one of the main, is like a paramount of songwriting, and I think it's paramount of the Christian faith. Uh, I think if, if I were to sit in that seat and just say, yeah, I got it dialed in, that is a lie, you know? And, and if you were to tell that to me, I would say, you're a liar. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that simple. It's not that black and white. Our humanity is complex and three-dimensional. And I think God is, is clarifying for us, you know, at different parts in our life. But songwriting, I think, captures some of that mystery and that wonder, allows us to ask the questions together in a safe place, right? Because if you're up here teaching one Sunday, the questions probably need to have an end goal of some sort. Like, what's the application for this? And a song, you don't have to remedy it in the song. You don't have to have a solution. I like that. Maybe I should start writing yeah, songs. Yeah, start, yeah you, can, you can just tell them your sermons are songs. And yeah, like, oh, boom, there you go. I like it. it. You know? And it's only three and a half minutes. Woo, everybody, yes. <laughs> Simmer down now. Okay, so here you are, Nashville, singer, song, I mean, all that stuff. I'm going off script. So this guy's literally his ukulele is being held onto his his body by a, a string, and there's duct tape holding it together here. So I know I know a little bit of the story behind it, but it might be a good opportunity for you to tell a little bit about what you do, you know, with around the world. Yeah, with your, you know, yeah. Well, this happened in Israel. This right here, this injury. I uh, was over there doing a tour with a friend of mine, a girl named Jenny Owens, who we wrote a book together, and it's a bit about God of the Old Testament, so we decided to take some people over there. They came with us to visit, you know, where uh, the history of our faith uh, began as far as region. And so uh, I put this, it's really, there's nothing impactful about this story whatsoever. I simply (laughs) put it on the bus and the bus started driving away, and this little guy fell off. But it lived, it survived, and I have a nicer one at home, and I think you musicians who play instruments understand this, but this one just feels so much better, you know? And it's even a little pitchy, you know? And even when it really is in tune, but I think it adds the character. You know, guys, we were talking about flaws earlier, how flaws um, are more valuable than a perfect painting. There you go. You guys want to hear some more from from Andrew or what? Yes. Yes. All right. Let's hear a few more. Thanks, Joe. It's a cool opportunity to have a guy like this with us, is it not? And question I would have for you is, do you have a question for Andrew? Maybe something that he said earlier, maybe something that he said tonight, questions about how he does what he does. Yeah, from anyone, but especially you guys. Hey. <laughs> hey. I know we have some, some aspiring musicians and even ones that just like or love music. <laughs> My, <God. laughs> My question is, um, I don't know like, your family situation, but just how you balance that and traveling and touring and sure. all that jazz. It's a little easier because I'm single. So uh, as far as, well, I don't have children. And um, so that makes it a little bit smoother, I think, although it requires a different level of boundaries and balance. You know, like if I don't come home and have 
have an expectation to be at the dinner table at 7 p.m. because I got people waiting on me or, you know, that's where my family unit is, then I have more opportunities to be able to be gone, to be active in different ways, even in Nashville at whatever time of day, you know, et cetera. But as I've gotten a little older now that I'm in my early 30s, there's a, a need to really balance that um, because it was producing levels of anxiety and, um, and even some panic that obviously is signs of unrest, you know, in my heart and mind. And I, I think anytime we're passionate about what we love to do, it's, we figure why not do it 24-7? And there's a good motivation into that. But there, I'm, I'm learning more what it means to rest, meaning actually physically rest. Like, you know, getting a full night of sleep and um, little things taking care of, of my body so that it can produce the ways I want it to when I'm on the road, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think we all have to learn balance. We don't live in a very balanced culture as far as it doesn't encourage us to stop, to take pause, to rest, to be quiet. I think it's super important to be quiet. That's a boundary I've learned. Um, you guys are pretty good at being quiet, but um, to be quiet in our to find times of solitude in our, even if you've got four kids. Another question? <laughs> you guys are all shy all of a sudden. There you go, then. We got oh. a brave one. Here we go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, how old were you when you first started recording like professionally and sure. like, doing everything like that? That's a great question. I was kind of a late bloomer because I, when I got to college, uh, I was a music major at Belmont, that's how I got to Nashville, and I started working with some artists already then, a little bit with songwriting and stuff like that, but I didn't really have any, I didn't have a story to tell myself, I didn't really, I had no aspirations to be an artist or to do my own records or anything like that. I really loved songwriting. Uh, that came along later, I had a really hard breakup and I also had a lot of shifts that were happening in Nashville with my songwriting career. And it seemed kind of, spiritually speaking, honestly, I felt like my back was up against the wall. I had a lot of doubts in my faith. And so I went away to Wyoming for a while. I love the outdoors. I love backpacking. I love the West. So I went out there for a year. I kept my stuff in Nashville, but went out there for a year to just be alone, myself and God. This was when I was 23. So this was a year out of college. And there was, an old, there, there was an old lodge that Buffalo Bill Cody, who's an old Wild West figure, had built to entertain people like Teddy Roosevelt and all these kind of cool figures from around 1900. And the owners of the lodge, as I was passing through, said, hey, you know, we've got a key to that and there's a piano in it. They learned that music was in my background. If you want to go play at any time, go do it. And I thought, there's no way in the middle of this 1900 circa 1900 uninsulated lodge at this piano will even be playable or in tune. But I took the key and thought, you know, it'd be fun to explore. So I went in that lodge and that piano, I am not kidding, was perfectly in tune with itself. It had been sitting there since the 1920s, untouched, <clears throat> pretty much. And so I felt like that was a gift from God, again, through music. I was having a lot of there was a lot of barriers in my emotions with being able to actually converse with God in that point of my life, and that's why I went out west, to have some space in my mind, to have some solitude. And here is my primary instrument, the piano, ready to be played in the middle of literally nowhere. <laughs> I know that doesn't, it's just a story, but you know, like, to think 
that we are known, like Joe was saying, so uniquely, you know, like a piano in the middle of Wyoming. It just, anyway, so then, to answer your question, I ended up writing not songs for other people, but songs that were born out of my story, my heartache. My, probably the first time I really experienced heartache and some of my grief, talking about learning how to grieve, you know. And so did that, it was a very spiritual experience. I brought that back to Nashville, a batch of songs that became my first record actually, my first singer-songwriter record that's out there. So I, it took me a couple years after that, you know, because I did it all myself. That first one was not with a label or anything like that. And so I guess I was 26 when I released that. And I had a lot of friends who'd already had two or three records out with big labels and all this kind of stuff. And, but what I would say to that, age is a hard thing, especially in the era of Wikipedia. If you're, no matter what you are, if you're a physician's assistant or whatever, you can go look at all these people who've been awarded or achieved a lot in the craft and there's their birth date, you know? Like I try to get my birth date changed on Wikipedia, but there's all these rules or something, I don't know. So, um, I forgot what I was saying, but, oh, yeah, so there's this constant comparison game, you know, like, how old someone was when they got married, when they had kids, when they got their first Grammy Award, or when they got the, were first recognized by whatever, and it can really produce this comparison thing in us, I think, and you guys are producing music and creative, astute creative things so much younger than we were that I would just think that starts earlier, like, well, look what so-and-so did, look what, you know, and whatever. And now that I look at everyone else, you know, Tori Kelly's like 10 years younger than me or something, you know, and she sings a lot better than me and she's prettier than me and all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I know. So thank you. I don't know about that. All right. right. Okay. We got (laughs) two, we got got a few questions here. All right. I'm, I'm going to go to joy then to blessing. What's the first instrument you learned how to play? Good question. What's your name? Joy. Joy. Are you one of the peace, faith, hope, Cool. Well, I was misguided earlier. Where's blessing? Blessing. I thought. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's I, next. I, She's I next. I thought she was in that litter, but it's. Uh, I like it. I like it. If if I let's see. Yeah, I would call my. I don't know which one I would be. I would hope I would get named. Just love, you know. I just want to be loved. Um, okay. So what was the question again? What's the first instrument you learned how to play? Yeah, piano, for sure. Uh, Like a lot of kids, you know, took piano lessons, but I really loved piano. And so I just started, my mom taught me a little bit for a few months and then I just started playing. So it's still my home. I'll sit down there in a second when someone much more capable with instruments like these comes up. But um, yeah, do you play anything? I play piano and I'm starting to play ukulele. It's cool. That brings me so much joy. I, um... <laughs> um, I, I think the ukulele is a great place to start to learn to like strum, strum patterns and stuff because you can just do it with your fingers that other pick. So good for you. You'll be into guitar for no time. Hello. Um... <laughs> How apropos. <laughs> So I was just wondering, um, have you ever wanted to be anything else? Or when did you, like, have you always known that you wanted to be a musician, songwriter? 
that's a good question. I thought for a while, I think because my oldest brother was, I thought I wanted to be an architect when I was really young. I loved that design elements of homes and stuff. That was cool, what he did. And he was a lot older than me, so I saw him doing that, you know. So it may have just been his influence. Uh, here's the thing about that, is I always knew music would have to be what I made my living at. I just, I didn't know what else to do, you know. I, I'm not that intelligent at other things, and I can't sit at a desk, and I cannot have people being my bosses. That's something I knew from an early age. I don't like being micromanaged, and... So, but some people really love structure, and so they work well in a structured environment. And we all need some structure. But um, yeah, to answer that question, it's all evolved. And that goes back to the age question. Like, I think there's so many opportunities for you guys to do different things, you know? Like, y'all don't settle on, like, my grandparents went to college for a certain career, they stuck in that career until they retired, you know? I think the world's wide open to you now, you know? You can. My dad, who's a therapist, told me recently, he was like, he loves your, this generation right here. And he said, because, man, they're not worried about as far as, like, you're not living your life to have your experiences when you're 60 plus. You're going to have your experiences now. And he thinks there's some real goodness to that, that, like, you're going to live while you work. You know what I mean? If you want to go to Australia, you'll find a way to support that through your craft and to go do that or whatever you know you're adventuresome and so I love that so I think I was a little bit of your generation are you wait are you all mostly millennials or you're unnamed Z so there's like no more people after it's like the end all right here's one Z what or who would you say are your biggest influences musically? Musically, I can name that easy. Emmy Lou Harris. Does anyone know who Emmy Lou Harris is? Okay. Yeah, some of the crew back here, you guys should look her up on Spotify so that everyone can make a living. Um, <laughs> Emmy Lou Harris, by far, biggest influence ever. How old were you when you started playing the piano? All these age questions. Um, I was seven, second grade. That's when I started. Oh, I'll go with that. <laughs> 15, 16. How did you meet Emma? How did I meet Emma? That's a great question. I love that question. Uh, Emma. You, Emma came to a show when we were doing a tour through Chicago, and we were in what was that? Burb called Homer Glenn at Eagle Rock. Someone else, an alum from Eagle Rock, were you there when we came through? No, or at least it, was, it wasn't memorable, was it? <laughs> you were there. Um, and Emma is a curious person, which you probably know just from knowing her. And so she came backstage after we were done playing, and I had a little ukulele. And, I was teaching her some chords, and we actually revisited. I came back alone, I think, one time when Aaron, Pastor Aaron asked me to come back. And she had that ukulele down and played with us on stage. And we decided that was like, what, eighth grade the first time? And then, yeah. So uh, it, it's really cool to see 
Mu I'll tell you this, music is something that I've always worried is something is just aesthetic. It's just something pretty that sits on the shelf and we observe it, we listen to it, but it doesn't really make a difference in the world. You know, like I think about people who are working with people who are hurting and um, challenged at every step and I, like that's real spiritual work. And then you realize that music does have the ability to transcend um, through barriers of race and of tradition and uh, even spiritually speaking of some of our opinions about, you know, denominations, all that stuff. So anytime you see a younger generation, just be inspired by a little something you do that's very cool. And you guys are already doing that, I know that. And you're going out to Chicago tomorrow, right? Yeah. yeah. So you're already making those ripples. It's cool. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Um, what about a um, baritone ukulele? Like, what made what made you want to pick that up? Yeah, so this guy's a baritone ukulele. What you see back there, that's Emma's, is a concert. And then there's a little tiny guy that's floating around somewhere, and that's a soprano. Um, the baritone is a warmer sound without me having to take an acoustic guitar everywhere, which is heavier, and I'm also not as good at six strings as the four. Uh, but it has that warmer tone with the nylon strings and a bit more, uh, Mike and I were talking about this, a parlor guitar, if you know what I mean, you know? So I, I like to pluck a lot, even though I haven't done that a lot tonight, but it was that simple. Uh, so we got one more question, Mr. Jerry. I like y'all, I like you coming alive. Yeah. Right before Just you gotta go. get him warmed up, man. Hey, so my mom's a vocal coach, so she works with a lot of young singers, and mm -hmm. they all are, most all, Belmont's an awesome school for that, yeah. so, but it's all like, okay, we're going to give you like $2 for your scholarship, basically. Yeah. Not really part of my question, but was it worth it going there for all the money, for all, you know, did it actually help your career? Parents, do you want to leave the room? <laughs> Y'all are probably... I mean, I'm closer to y'all's age, so you're smarter about... I'll just answer the question. Um, <laughs> can I answer it in two parts? One, a little trick my mom taught me when going to school because I was the third of three boys and the youngest, and they were quite a bit older than me, so they had gone to school already, so she'd experienced sending them through and all that kind of stuff. And my parents basically kind of threatened us with you're paying for school. And I think it was a way for us to really have some responsibility in it, and then they kind of chipped in as we went along. But I had auditioned at three schools, Belmont, Anderson University up in Indiana, and um, Washita Baptist. All were great music schools, kind of peers. And, but I really wanted to be in Nashville. That's what I knew, and I thought it'd be nice to be in school. But the other two gave me full rides and seemed like they did that fairly frequently. There were plenty of other people getting full scholarships. And Belmont gave me, next to nothing, uh, some academics for ACT and stuff like that. But I had a really good experience with them and with the staff and all this stuff. And my mom said, well, just call them and tell them the difference between what Washington Anderson and, and, and that you really want to go to Belmont, even if you're not sure you really want to go to Belmont yet. You know, kind of, I guess she was teaching me to play them. But um, uh, they closed the gap from people who were waiting, donors who were waiting in the wings who they don't use all the time. They just have donors who can say they're donors but aren't always donating. So they almost closed the entire gap just because I asked. So I would encourage you, not your parents, to get on the phone when you're ready to go to school with those staff members and express if you really want to go somewhere and they're not, you know, bridging the gap financially, 
you talk to them. Tell them what, why you want to go there. So that's what I'd say about that. So for me, it wasn't quite the burden financially it is for others. So that colors my answer a little bit. I love academia. I love the school environment. I do not think I needed it to do what I do now. Shocker. <laughs> wow. No, because I want your parents to buy my merchandise. So. <laughs> do you think this is the path that God was like pulling you to take? And if it is, like, how did he affect your life? Well, that could tie into Belmont a little bit. I will say that I think there was directive to, to be there and to go there, you know. And, and it definitely still forms some of my musicianship. We were talking about a vocal coach I had there that um, I could have found maybe without being at school too, but she, our steps were directed. And so... So what did you ask? <laughs> what got me into it and kind of, goodness gracious, I don't know, you know, what, I don't know. That's a bigger spiritual question, I think, because I try not to tell God what he does, you know, and doesn't do, but I definitely think he is active in every moment of our lives through the spirit. So I'll tell you this, though. I used to love, I went to shows all the time from the time I was like eight years old. I had my parents drive me to shows. My friends didn't want to go to, whatever. I just went to shows all the time. And I loved finding a, my way backstage if I could to talk to someone, to ask them questions about the performance. And some of these were huge shows, but because I was a kid, I just kind of, you know, and kind of no harm. And my parents would just wait for me in the lobby or in the concourse. And I didn't want a picture. I didn't want an autograph. I, I really wanted to ask them you know, why do you do what you do? And how did, what was the inspiration behind this song and stuff? And they always gave me an audience, you know? And um, I think because I was actually interested in what they did, some of those experiences made me go, I want to connect with people through music too. So when we were uh, talking last week, uh, I think it was last week, this last 10 days is a blur for me, yeah, but uh, we were just talking a little bit about, you know, how do we pull this all together? And you said something about worship and about, you know, about worship in church and how, you know, that, I don't know, just that, that piece of the conversation to me really stood out because I think our, our crowd and our folks really enjoy the music at Second Place. It's something we're known for, but I don't know, just unpack that, that commentary to me a little bit because I think it's important for us to, to hear. Sure. I don't, I don't know why each of you show up on, is it Sundays that you know, all Saturday night and Sunday. Saturday night and Sunday. Um, I've had to really think through why do I show up, you know. It, it, not anything to do with my faith or my belief in God, but more like why is it important for me to show up and worship in the context of other people who believe similarly. Um, and I think there's a lot about singing together about being under the leadership of teaching together that really helps solidify our faith. It affirms our faith. There's a lot of reasons in just everyday life, I feel like, that kind of cause us to question a lot about life, and that includes our spirituality, that includes faith, includes God. This is kind of our hub, you know, does that make sense? It's our center, it's where we come and we say, hey, I know you're going through that, I know, you're, I know your daughter just experienced that, and I know you just got that diagnosis. And so we come with all our questions and all the mysteries and all the things that we do not like. 
uh, about life and we lay them down again and again and again. We bring them and we open our hands and we open our hearts and we do that together in the company, I would say, in the communion of each other. So I think communion is the ticket for worship. And worship has now been fairly closely correlated with music. But I would say, obviously it's wider than that. So music is a part of the propeller of worship in our lives. Well, we thought it would be cool to kind of um, wrap the night with two of our coaches playing yeah. with Andrew and singing. And so uh, why don't we go ahead and stand up and they're going to lead us through a few songs in worship.